We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast tuesday november 14th 2023 it is not victory tuesday it was close a couple different times but ultimately the packers uh, morley and i were talking about this before the show started Seems like every mistake they make comes back and haunts them. Something that seemed as benign as a blocked extra point. Like, oh, how important is one point going to be? Well, Green Bay was in field goal range on Jordan Love's last pass of the day, which was intercepted, and the Packers lost 23-19. to Everybody, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jacob Westendorf. Shout out to uh, my good friend, Mark Treva. I do not sound like crap these days. Thank you very much for pointing that out last week. Joined by Jacob Morley. Jacob, fresh off, uh, I don't think we ever established. Did you guys win tonight? Yeah. What do you mean? It's not a question. Of course we did. I, I mean. Of course we, of course we won. Okay. <laughs> I guess it wasn't as obvious to me as it was to you, but that's good. And then I'm also joined by the most popular man on Twitter.com, <laughs> Trey, ah. Trey Watson. Trey, uh, what's worse, your mentions or your DMs? Oh, both are pretty foul, man. Um, but I mean, it's it's nothing new. I, I told y'all before, like in college, I hit a guy too hard and, and got death threats or, or borderline threats. I mean, you you see the stories about what guys do in games, and then all of a sudden, the whole world rains down on them. You you correct a couple folks, and you 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 know say say what you need to say, and now now all of a sudden, the, the same people who we're spouting off at the mouth. All of a sudden, say you're the you're the worst person in the world, and I'm tearing the Packers apart. So, hey, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm, They're I'm both pretty sh- rough, though. I'm sure that the locker room is waiting on bated breath of what what you have to say. Yeah, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, for, hey, for this know. podcast, you oh, everyone yeah. in that locker. I heard that they actually they play the the Tuesday edition of the Pack a Day podcast on the loudspeakers during um, as well. They should Tuesday's practice. If they don't, they should. And that's interesting considering Tuesday's an off day. So maybe they do play it and just nobody hears <laughs> it. That's the problem. We there you go. Out. There you go. That's See, funny. while we had that episode a couple we, weeks we, ago where yeah, we, we fixed, fixed this everything. Team so many times. Yeah, and they didn't even bother to listen. So the Packers, they win against the Rams 
And then they uh, are unable to string together back-to-back wins. They lose to the Steelers uh, 23 to 19. I do want to start with the backwards pass fumble because it reminded me of the Brian Billick press conference from years ago. And you guys might be, well, Morley's older than me, but I don't know if Trey will remember this or not, but basically it was in 2001, 2002 ish. And there was a play where receiver caught the ball. He fell on his back. And then after he fell on his back, it was in there and it kind of bounced out a little bit. It was called incomplete on the field. Billick challenged it. It was called incomplete again. And uh, he was not happy with that being the ruling. So afterwards in this press conference says he tried to be, a advocate of instant replay and he says, just dump the whole effing thing because it doesn't work. And I don't necessarily want that, but think about how much time we spend on replays and reviews and all this stuff of slowing everything. What do they call it? Frame bleeping ever all the way down to the millisecond. And I have no idea how they determined that pass was thrown forward. Do either of you have, anything am i just looking at it through green and gold glasses but as soon as the play came out i remember saying pick that up that's a fumble 100%. and and not only that the officials are taught to let it play so they can review it like that's mm-hmm. we just watched it on the monday night game there was a play where a guy rolled over his arm was clearly on the ground he gets up the ball comes out they literally let it play until rasul douglas scores a touchdown and then it comes off the board in a split second because they figure out that didn't work. Trey, my, my question to you is how the hell? Man, look, I'm <laughs> I'm wondering as much as you. Like you said, that they're literally coached for those situations because those are game-changing plays, and there is human error. So they're coached to do that to help themselves. Now, we talked about this actually with some with some people with the Twitter takes and, and a couple of different coaches' takes throughout the season. It's one thing to be wrong. It's another thing to double down on your wrongness when you're blatantly proven to be wrong. And it's really sad that Fox and CBS and all these networks, they pay Gene Steratore and Dean Blandino and these guys all this money to come on as the rules experts. And then those guys are blatantly wrong. And then the the announcers are trying to be nice because, you know, they have a job, they work, they have a boss, they work for someone. And, you know, uh, I think it was Charles is sitting there saying, hey, like, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to, you know, you know, step over step over bounds or anything, but like you're wrong. Like you're literally wrong. The ball is clearly and obviously it was behind. It was behind the receiver and it was behind where that where Pickett threw it. So it's like there are things that are judgment calls and there are things that are extremely close and it becomes hard. That one's not hard. They were clearly wrong. And like now at the end of the day, you affected the outcome of the game by being wrong and then looking at it, seeing that it was, you were clearly wrong and then being wrong again. I don't, I don't see how that happens. Um, That it just shouldn't like, I don't, there's no, there's no really discussion to be had about it. No. So they, like you said, they call it wrong. They officiate it wrong by not letting it play out essentially. And then, yeah, the funniest part of the whole thing is Sterator, like these guys serving up as sticking up for their officials and saying like, yeah, I just don't think there was enough there to overturn it. Like it looked like a fumble live. It looked like a fumble on replay and nothing. I, 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 it's baffling to me. Now, granted, did the Packers have things they could have done? Yes. Is this blaming the officials? No, like, of course not. 
one of my good friends always says, if you bring human judgment into the game, then you get what you deserve. And essentially that's, that's true. The Packers had plenty of time to render that irrelevant, but it is incredible to me. And the other reality with this team is the Packers margin for error is so thin that something like that is a huge deal. Just like the block PAT, just like allowing a big punt return, just like some of the other mistakes they made throughout the course of the game. Morley, I'm sure you have something to say. You know, in the year of our Lord, 2023, the NFL being a multi-billion dollar organization, B with a, with a billion, if only, if only we had the technology to take the human element out of calls like that, if only there was a way to track the football with a GPS system we could potentially get that call right. I don't know. I'm not a scientist, but obviously I'm, I'm joking because that technology does exist and they just refuse to do it. I mean, we have an entire next gen stats, you know, group of people that are clearly making money off of these types of analytics. Why not put these things you know, these, these ball tracking devices in the football where you can physically see where the ball is. And it will tell you from the point of Pickett's hand to where the point of where it touched Warren's hand. Like, did that ball go backwards? Without a shadow of a doubt. Like, you can get your math, your degrees, your angles, all that stuff in there. He Without had to turn shit. around. Do they need a, do they need a ruler? <laughs> okay. Granted, but both of your points are received. Yes, they shouldn't need it for that call. But... It takes it takes the human element out of it. it. It leaves no doubt for people to mess this up. The other thing is, how many times do we see? This has always been wild to me, where you see the official just casually walking in, catching the ball, and yeah, setting it down, and then they go and measure it, and it's like two inches short. Like, how do we know? How do we actually yeah. know if it was two inches short? You know, like I get that that's part of the game, and it always has been, and like that's just how it is. But they could. They could be. They could do away with that. They could actually fix that and make sure that those calls are not missed ever. But uh, what we know about the NFL is that they make a lot of money, um, and they they don't really want to sacrifice uh, sacrifice any of that. Really, well, you know, and yeah. any publicity and, is good publicity. So they got three morons dude, like us talking dude, about this call how, two days later. That's how good for many them guys. Too. I think I think it was Peter Bukowski talked about this today, or I was talking to him, or he was talking about it, and mentioned guys are getting fined at a super super high rate right now for making football plays. You know, Josh Allen on TV right now playing Monday Night Football got fined ten grand for pointing at a guy last week. Patrick Ricard end- got fined for blocking a dude and putting him on his ass. Yeah, like, I can't do that. The that most basic mean. of like, what is it? Sharon Moore always says like violence is the only solution. Dude, There's something to that. Is, degree. Like that's what football is at its very core. Is number 50 for the Steelers going to get fined for blowing up John Runyon Jr. on that uh, pin and pull play that he was making, <laughs> was making its way around the internet. Because that was too, that was too, that was too violent. Pay. I'm, I'm, I'm not really happy with, 
a linebacker putting his face mask through my offensive guard. I think we need to do away with that in the sport of football, if you ask me. Well, I will say this, and it's it's put well by by my friend Owen Reese, who says there's a lot of people that claim to like football that don't actually like football. Like the stuff that I read through my, and granted, I'm kind of a cynic when it comes to some of the stuff, but some of the things that people call dirty hits or, you know, Jacob Morley calling hits dirty for when somebody dare to breathe on the quarterback or something like that. Like those are plays I've, I've never, never thought to think of something as dirty, but yeah, that's, that's, it's a violent sport and it's supposed to be. And like, I think I tweeted something a while ago, like, we will be okay as a fan base and a society if the quarterback gets hit. And like, even if you could put in a million rules to protect the quarterbacks, as long as they're allowed to get sacked or something like that. Oh God, I hope this doesn't make them like decide you can't do that anymore either. But like quarterbacks are going to get hurt. And yeah, sometimes that means you're watching Brett Rippon against Tyson Badgen. Like sometimes that happens or Tyler Badgen, whatever the hell his name is. Doesn't matter. Anyways, not the point. This isn't to get on a soapbox about how the NFL is taking violence out of football, which how do you take violence out of football? But as it happens live in the game. Right. <laughs> right. As it's happening. It as happened again. So there we are. Uh, that's that's the way things are. And and it's unfair. And I get it. There are some things they need to do, but I think we've taken a couple steps too far in that front. But let's talk football. Uh, the game yesterday, we did actually. <laughs> so. Like we mentioned at the top of the show, Trey's DMs are a mess, uh, but we did have one question asked that I thought was pretty good and I think worth answering because, listen, uh, Christian Watson is not the first player to have Twitter scream shit at him or his family uh, and will not be the last, unfortunately. That's kind of the nature of anonymous people on the internet. That's just kind of how it works. You give anybody a platform and, and they're willing to speak because there are no consequences or something like that. But essentially, you know, Christian said, I remember after the Raider game that his number was called too many times and he didn't make enough plays considering how many times his number has been called. And that's kind of true of the season. I think Watson would admit that himself if he were here with us now to do so. You know, he has, I think, 12 catches on the season. I don't remember his exact numbers, but it's not, you know, it's not the numbers that I think a lot of us expected when the season, hell, when... (laughs) When I wrote the five reasons to believe in Jordan Love, one of my reasons was Christian Watson. And it was largely based on that, you know, half season output he had last year where he finished really strong. It just hasn't happened there. But Trey, essentially, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, what was asked of you was when something like that's happening, because if you're an athlete, you've all gone through, we've all gone through a slump of some sort. But when you're at that professional level, you know, everybody, like when I had the worst games of my career, nobody was watching everybody is watching some of the worst moments of his career or any professional player's career in general. Brandon Bostic is a player who comes to mind, like in, in green Bay that has gone through a lot of stuff and talked about it uh, a bunch. Essentially the question was how does a player block that out and stay in a good headspace and keep his confidence when there isn't a lot to be of like results on the field, so to speak, to be confident about. Uh, maybe I butchered the way that question was asked, but I think mm-hmm. that was kind of the gist of it. Man, I think, you know, like the, the biggest thing or the easiest thing I should say is is to win. Um, well, I mean, in, in general, guy, guys don't care what non-athletic regular people have to say. Like that's that's just that's just the reality of it. Um, but the easiest thing is to win. Uh, dudes will play two snaps 
their whole career. And if they won four rings, I bet you they'll talk about how amazing the whole journey was. Dudes can have an awful game in the Super Bowl, but if you win the Super Bowl, who cares? Like, I'll go fix it next season. Um, so that's the easiest way to do it is to win. Unfortunately, this this team isn't right now, and that's kind of you know more so what it's geared towards is, is when everything just seems to be bad, and then people get to run in their mouth. Um, the reality is guy, big-time guys don't see it. Like, if you think their mentions are full of bad stuff, what do you think someone with hundreds of thousands of followers mentions is full of people wanting autographs, people asking about this, about that? women in their dms asking all kind of stuff that they have no business asking i mean most 99.99 percent of these big time dudes don't even have their mentions on like they can't their phone their phone will be ringing all day they'll get kicked out of meetings because their phone is ringing so many dang times and buzzing so it just doesn't happen it, it, like you just won't see guys interact with it. the only time you really see guys interact on social media when they're at that point like that is when it's other big time athletes or former players who are ESPN commentators and stuff like that, like they'll see something crazy from one of those guys and then they'll get back, get into the back and forth guys like KD and Des Bryant was pretty active about doing it during his time. But like, other than that, man, like you gotta, you gotta understand at the end of the day, all these dudes are extremely gifted. And with that comes supreme confidence. Um, can it be shaken a little bit when things aren't going great? Sure. It can. Uh, you know, when, when Christian's not catching the ball the way he wants to, when, you know, quarterback can't, can't seem to hit the guys who they, who they really want to hit. When a guy keeps just keeps messing up the same assignment over and over again, at the end of the day, you got to fall back on the fact that as many times as you may have messed up this, this game or this season or, or whatever, you've done that a million times. The linebackers made a million tackles. The quarterback has thrown a hundred thousand touchdowns in his life. And that's, that's what they fall back on is the fact that they have the ability, the will, and the desire to figure it out. So eventually they will. And if they don't, it, it really doesn't matter. At the end of the day, they're still doing what they want to do. And it's not going to bother them that a couple of people who have no idea what they're talking about want to spout off at the mouth. It, it just really doesn't matter. Um, for guys like me, who I'm not a Packer, nor will I you know, likely be a Packer in the future, I can have fun with it. Guys like you, that's that's your job. Part of your job is to interact with those people and, you know, put out takes, put out stats, put out all those different things. So it, it's just completely different when you're in that competitor's mode and you're actively in the game. You're not worried about any of that. At the end of the day, if they praise you 100,000 times and you have the greatest season of all time and you drop the catch in the Super Bowl that's supposed to win the game, what are they going to do? Turn right back to sending you the threats and talking crazy and all that other stuff. So you can't win with with people. If they're outside of your circle, if they're outside of the building that you're in, um, they're not your teammates, they're not your staff, those are the only people's opinions who matter. Um, and even then, at the end of the day, they're not going to go catch the ball for you. They're not going to go, you know, make make the play that you need to make. It's on you. Um, and those guys, have, like I said, those guys have done it a thousand times. And at the end of the day, that's, that's what they're going to fall back on every single time. I think the – thing that, and granted I am not an athlete never really was one and I just happened to play for a little while and that was it but the one thing that was like the eye-opener to me in a lot of different ways was Brett Favre was far and away the most popular athlete in the history of Wisconsin sports and he received the loudest boos at Lambeau Field now granted that was because he was playing for a different team and obviously some circumstances and stuff play into that but you know, if the fans are willing to turn on a guy that like was 
a lot like in my case in my case even i'm you know as a fan from that way brett Favre was my childhood hero hated him for those two years you know that's just kind of how the nature of this thing works fans are gonna fan um the other thing i've learned from being around players is kind of like what you mentioned trey is they don't pay attention to stuff like that i mean you hear players and it sounds like a cliche, but like you hear these guys talk about a singular focus or whatever that is. That really is all it is. Like when they show up on game day, it's, it's game day. And that is it. Like that is the only thing that matters from nine o'clock when they get to the stadium to three 30, when the game is over and then they get back into getting ready for you know the next game, whether that's on Thursday or Sunday or whatever, but <laughs> some positive to come out of, uh, the game on Sunday, that first and foremost, the Packers, they, they rolled up almost 400 yards against the Steelers defense. It's pretty good. Uh, they have some really good pass rushers with, with Watt and Highsmith, obviously. Uh, Joey Porter's a really good rookie corner, but still a pretty good corner. Patrick Peterson could still make a play here or there, as we saw at the end of the game there. Uh, the Packers threw for 289 yards. Uh, Jordan Love, two touchdown passes. One was a deep ball. One was a, a shorter pass, but a drop in the bucket in the corner of the end zone, which was nice to see. Uh, they had some – it looked more like – I think the best way to put this is after so many weeks, and I know they only scored 19 points, so we are grading on a bit of a curve here a little bit, but it looked like an NFL offense instead of being completely hopeless for two and a half quarters and then just turning – I mean, they scored – a two touchdowns in the first half. They hadn't done that. I don't think all season. I, I don't know that I'm joking when I say that they may not have done that all season. I'd have to look to be hundred percent sure on that, but combine that with last week where they scored, you know, again, they scored 39 points in two games. Let's not make them out to be the greatest show on turf here, but 20 points and then 19 this week, but able to move the ball up and down the field, just needing to finish in the red zone, there's some level of encouragement here, right? That they are starting to put some things together. What's going on, Packer fans? It is time that you make Little Caesars, which is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day routine. If you guys know anything about me whatsoever, you know that I love pizza, that every time the Packers win, I have a victory pizza. And what you should also know is that victory pizza is from Little Caesars. I This is no joke. Little Caesars, by far and away, my favorite pizza. What you can do is you can order online during their Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday, and then you can get ready for football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza. Pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. For me, I have the same order every single time. I'm going with their hot and ready pizza, pepperoni, no questions about it, and more importantly than anything else, Always, 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 always get the crazy bread. It is, in my opinion, the best food that you can get on the market. I'm not joking. I love crazy bread. Love, love, love crazy bread. Get it every single time. You win when you get crazy bread. And speaking of winning, literally everyone scores with convenient delivery or their in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends, enjoy a few slices during the game, and always get your victory pizza from Little Caesars. You won't regret it. Pizza, pizza. So I, I'm not going to lie. When I'm in the middle of Packer season, I don't always eat the best. It's by far my busiest time of year. I don't have a ton of time to make healthy meals. And because of that, I end up eating a lot of unhealthy foods. And when I'm not eating healthy, my digestive system doesn't always feel the best. 
and I end up feeling less focused, more stressed, and it just feels like my immune system is fighting with an arm behind its back. That's why I tried AG1. I was tired of being tired and I was tired of being unfocused and I needed to kickstart my immune system and increase my energy. And when I started drinking AG1 daily, I could feel the difference in my digestive health and my daily energy. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutritional supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. Not only did I replace my multivitamin with AG1, but I love that every scoop includes probiotics for gut support, B vitamins for energy, and zinc to help support my immune health. And that's why Packaday is proud to be sponsored by AG1. AG1 is the supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash packaday. That's drinkag1.com slash packaday. Check it out. Cue the dramatic music. We have a public service announcement. It's not a bird. It's not a plane. It's the most revolutionary ball trimmer the world has ever seen. Gentlemen, our friends over at Manscaped have been working night and day to bring you a below-the-waist grooming experience like none other with their brand new performance package 5.0 Ultra. Featuring the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra, we're talking about a next generation trimmer with interchangeable blade heads for whatever shave your mind can imagine. Upgrade your grooming game to the Ultra Sphere this year by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with code Packaday. High tech for low places. Manscaped. Personally, Manscaped is my go-to for all of my grooming needs. Manscaped has some crazy technology that helps prevent nicks, cuts, snags, and tugs in all those ultra-sensitive places. I also personally recommend the Crop Soother Aftershave Lotion that just makes the entire experience so much better. In an area that you have to have trust, I trust Manscaped, and you should too. Right now, you can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code Packaday at Manscaped.com. That's 20 percent off plus free shipping with code packaday at manscape.com. I can promise you've never seen a ball trimmer look like a spaceship. So get yours today from our folks over at Manscaped. Hey there. I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet? Do you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. I've had so much fun making Prize Picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense. I even had a fun J.K. Scott selection the other day for the Chargers game. I recently had a big win on Saturday morning in a London game, and it just made the viewing experience so much more enjoyable. It's fun, it's exciting, it's easy, and there's a level of creativity and uniqueness about it that I really, really enjoy. So go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. 
So many of you probably know that Damian Lillard was just traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. And as soon as I found out, I had to get opening day tickets immediately. And I will be there at that game because I use game time and even got to use code pack a day for $20 off, which made it even more sweet. The process was so insanely simple. They have these flash deals and you can click on the different areas of the stadium to see which prices are available. You can see the actual view of the seats. It was hassle free and just super, super simple. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals as well. You can forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. The game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without all the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code packaday for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Yes, I, I, I think there is. And you look at this team and what we have said all year and even going into last offseason is let's judge this team and these young players at the end of the year. Because what you really want to see, and granted, I'm part of the problem because I thought, especially after that Bears game, I thought this young team might be able to beat the learning curve with what we saw with them. And it's easy. It was so easy to get excited. Turns out the Bears are just really, really bad, which is something we also knew. But in any case, something that we had talked about all offseason and, and really a lot of this season is like, let's watch this team and see, you know, especially the offense, can they come together the second half of the year? Because typically with young players, that's what it usually takes is getting half of a season under their belt, kind of knowing what it takes week in and week out in this league to be a successful, productive player. And can they put it all together? And if the last two weeks are any indication of that, it looks like they are putting it together. What does that ultimately look like? We don't know. We don't know. It could be still just whatever, because like what Jacob said is they have essentially gone from being really bad on offense to just kind of normal bad from a point standpoint, from a point. They, they have done things that are exciting that you point to, like, um, you know, depending on what you think about pro football focus uh, with their grades and stuff being whatever – but their advanced stats that they track there, you can take a lot from them. You know, the big, the big time throw stat that you see from quarterbacks, not a huge fan of it myself, but they're all graded. All these quarterbacks are graded on the same scale with it. And Jordan had five in the last game. That's the third most of any quarterback this season. And like, that's the kind of stuff you want to see because the talent is there. And then the next question that, I was getting on that and, you know, we, Jacob, you and Ross and I were talking about it today. Like what does a 300 yard game look like for Jordan Love? Cause he had five big time throws, slung the ball all over the field. You know, his, his 20 plus yard completions have been a lot better the last two weeks and he's still falling short of a 300 yard game. Like, what does that look like? Well, I think some of it is, you know, the young receivers are starting to kind of come into their own, or maybe you know maybe not even coming to their own, but not screwing something up every other play. 
right? Not running a route into their teammate or, you know, what, or dropping a ball or whatever, whatever the issue meant, or run a great route and the quarterback misses them. Like we've seen all that stuff this year. It's that stuff is becoming less and less. And the continuity on the offense looks like it's becoming more and more. And the one thing that really encouraged me, and we talked about it last week, was the touchdown to, to Musgrave. And it's, again, it's nothing they're doing that they're not reinventing the wheel. They're just executing. And it takes 11 guys to execute a play at this level. Gaining yards in the NFL is really hard. And making some of those high-level throws, or, or what we, or it's what we expected from Jordan, but it's still not enough, right? It's it still needs to be more. And I know I'm saying that full well with the the five big-time throws, but at the end of the day, he's still missing some of the layups, and that's the stuff you got to hit ten out of ten times because we know that he can hit some of the big plays, like the arm angle stuff that he of which he throws the ball with. I mean, it's it's gracing our timeline more and more, and it is fun, and it is exciting, and he does do things that not a lot of people on this planet can do, but, you know, quarterbacks like Case Keenum are doing things that Jordan isn't always doing. Like, that's the give and take with, and, you know, Case Keenum is just like the quintessential backup that I just first got came to mind, but he'll hit every single throw over the middle of the field that NFL quarterbacks are expected to make. Jordan is not doing that still. And you are excited with the progress. You are excited to see what comes next. I'm encouraged. Um, You know, he's someone like four weeks ago, I'd be like, man, I just don't think, I just don't know. I don't think this is going well for him. And now you're kind of looking at it like, oh, like this is what they thought they had with him, but can he do it more consistently? Um, Can he do it play in and play out? Uh, I think we're fixing, you know, we're, we're, we're fixing to find out. Right. And (laughs) saying that for you, Jacob, Uh, but it's, it is something we're going to see. And this is the evaluation season because even with the loss to the Steelers, I feel like most of us felt pretty encouraged with that offensive performance because mind you, the Steelers are a really good defense and the Packers, they still are just, they're close. They're so close on stuff. I mean, uh, the deep ball to Romeo, which he gets a pass for this, I guess, but stop running. Why? Why? What are you doing? Like, extend for the ball, man. Like, I thought that was one of Jordan's better deep throws of the season, and we have receivers losing track of it. I don't know. The the screen pass to John uh, – to not to John Romeo, but to Aaron Jones that everyone wants to scream at John Runyon Jr., because, like, yeah, dude, just make one block and he hits his head on the goalpost. But the play before that, even, they're close. Where uh, 50, I keep forgetting his name, that Landon linebacker. Landon Roberts. He, I mean, he wrecked the game. Like, he absolutely wrecked the game plays. for the Packers uh, because he made the play on the screen. And you can say, like, well, John Runyon's got to make that play. Yeah, he does, but that was a hell of an effort from Roberts as well. And then the very next play, the play before that was, uh, you know, Aaron Jones, how many times do we see him catching the ball? And he caught that ball at a at a nice pace as well. And Roberts was able to track him down and get enough of him uh, to get him on the ground. There's no one in front of Aaron Jones. He walks into the end zone if he doesn't make that play. You know, so there's more missed points that they leave on the table. Um, 
And then other things, I think it was Roberts again. Roberts was the one that jarred the ball loose out of Luke Musgrave on that play. And so it's like, man, there are still just plays like that. And I'm not even putting it all on Jordan. It, it, it still is like the young offensive stuff, but there is at least things to be really encouraged with this game. And I, I know some people want to talk about, well, can they go get Drake? Can they get Caleb? The answer is most likely no. <laughs> They're not going to be in position to get either of those guys. So we most likely are looking at Jordan Love for the foreseeable future. So let's see if he can take these small things and turn into, you know, a great quarterback, someone that we hope that he can be. Um, and the last couple of weeks, if they are any indication, it looks like he is. And the last thing I'll say is, and again, this is a PFF thing. And again, you can love or hate their grades on stuff um, and they are subjective, but his last three games are his highest graded games of the season in order. Minnesota, he, he got his first, you know, really above average grade. Uh, Which doesn't make any sense uh, to me, but that, I mean, we can, we yeah. don't have to. Well, by above average, I mean, like they start at 60, he got like a 66. So, but I mean, even, even with that, I don't, I mean, sure. granted, I haven't gone back and watched that game since, but I don't, that doesn't make sense to me. The Rams well, and the think, Steelers, I'll give you. Yeah. Um, I think there was some hidden stuff in Minnesota that was nice, but yeah, Rams, he was solid, really just kind of like took care of the ball, did what he had to do to win that game, to not lose the game. And I thought for the Steelers, he did enough for them to ultimately win the game. Um, if he would have gotten the ball to bounce his way a couple times. So that's just kind of where I'm at with him right now. And I'm excited to see what the rest of the season holds. Yeah. Uh, in terms of, are you in or out? I'm still out until I mean, granted. And I say that knowing he has what seven, eight games, however many is left. Eight. Eight. Yeah. To change my mind. And I'm actually writing a story about this shameless plug for the next three games because the Packers have faced two offenses that are in the top 15 in the entire NFL in scoring Detroit and Minnesota. Now they face three in the next three weeks, Justin Herbert, the chargers, Detroit lions, who they've already faced obviously. And then Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs. Matt LaFleur said today, like he was essentially asked, like, are you, do you have to like look at things differently based on, you know, what quarterback is on the other sideline? And he said, absolutely. And then he kind of gave some, typical cliche answer after that. But I thought that was kind of telling. And what I want to see and what I want to know with Jordan Love is now I've seen them be able to stay in games. You know what I mean? Like I've seen them able to lose 16 to 13 or 19 to 17 or 23 to 19 or something like that. Now you've got some big boys coming and, you know, forgive me for being not having faith, whatever you want to talk about it, but this defense is not slowing down Justin Herbert and the Detroit Lions and Pat Mahomes. It's not happening. No matter how much Jacob Morley wants to tell me that Patrick Mahomes is actually not any good at football at all. Dude, the Chiefs offense stinks. They're going to slow them down. And Sorry. they're still 13th in the NFL in scoring. So there's they're going to score points. Sounds mediocre to me. It's mediocre, but that's better than some of the trash. that Like the Packers, I think seven of the nine offenses that they've faced this year so far are like, 21st and below or something like that. It's incredible the crap that they face on offense thus far this season. But that's not really the point. The point I'm getting at is can you match these teams score for score? You know, or is it like because if you're a quarterback in an offense that hey, if they score 24 points or more, you're screwed. You're not going to be long for this league. You know, the final score of the Super Bowl last year was 38 to 35. 
one of the questions about Jalen Hurts coming into last season was whether or not he could score with teams like that, or the Eagles in general could score with teams like that. They proved they could eventually. Can Jordan Love and the offense do that? I don't know. You know, they've scored for all the progress and all these flowers and stuff for thrown to him, and it's deserved. I'm not saying they didn't play well yesterday. They've still scored 20 points once since the bye week. And overall on the season, since the second week of the season, it's twice. And one of those games is Detroit, which is largely garbage time where they were trailing 27 to three for a majority of the game. So progress. Yes. Uh, the way I guess I would answer this question is like that smart ass kid from the bad news bears, the new one where he tells Billy Bob Thornton. That's great. We went from suck to stink. That's kind of where the Packers offense is at right now. So we'll see where, where things can go. That is progress though. As much as uh, it, it sounds like I'm being a detractor, it is progress, and that's what you're hoping for. Now, can they get to a point but here between now and the end of the season? It's going from suck to stink, but seeing the path to being good. Good, yeah. Like, sure. I think that's Absolutely. I think that's what the exciting part is. Yeah, to use to further the bad news bears analogy, they just need to find you know Kelly and and Amanda and who's that pitcher and who's the the star bat that they have or whatever, and kind of go from there. Uh, last thing I want to get to, though, is something that is not particularly positive, in my opinion. The Packers had their third game this weekend where they allowed more than 200 rushing yards, uh, which is incredible to me that I could say that, but uh, it, it is. It's their third game where they've allowed more than 200 rushing yards. Uh, they talked about in the offseason, Kenny Clark, Jerry Montgomery, all these people about how, oh, it's a mindset. And we'll be ready. We have a different defense. We'll be more ready to stop the run than we have been. And they really haven't. Teams that, like Matt LaFleur even said today, we knew they wanted to try and run the football against us. Okay. Um, there are at least two other teams that you knew for a fact, Atlanta and Detroit. We're going to try and line up and smash your face in. And they did. Uh, Atlanta and Detroit both ran for more than 200 yards. If you want Good news, I guess, it's that the Chargers don't even really try to run the ball. Eckler is more of a receiver that just happens to wear a running back's number, and they, they kind of go from there. But even still, LaFleur was asked today about – Jason Wilde had asked him about lining up in nickel, and LaFleur kind of rolled his eyes and gave an answer, in my opinion, that was condescending and, and unnecessary uh, because he started arguing the semantics of the situation and said, like, this is the way we do it in this profession, which, okay, fine. This is the way you talk about it. It was a good answer from the standpoint of it gave insight into what they were talking about or how they view these things, but said, we have two down linemen and then we view our outside linebackers in that way as defensive ends. So it's four down linemen. That's cool. Unfortunately, they weren't able to give a follow-up question to which mine would have been like, okay, why are you playing that kind of personnel against a team that has three tight ends on the field? There are teams that have like extra offensive tackles coming into the game as a quote unquote tight end. And green Bay is essentially still playing that two, four, five. The reality of the situation is this, in my opinion, everybody on the internet, maybe the most popular person on Twitter, other than Trey Watson is Joe Barry. And everybody, every week, Oh, fire the coordinator, fire the coordinator. And cool. Like, Yes, there are legitimate things to be upset about with the defensive coordinator. However, Green Bay is the worst. I'm not making this up. Since Brian Gutekunst became the general manager, and that is also true because LaFleur became the coach one year after. 
The Packers are the worst team in the NFL at stopping the run. They're 32nd and 31st or 32nd in just about, you know, you want to go EPA per play, yards per carry, rush defense, DVR, whatever stat you want to use. They suck at all of them. That spans over two head coaches, well, three head coaches, if you want to include Joe Philbin, you can. Two coordinators, another general manager, and two different defensive philosophies and, what, five first five or six first-round picks in that time frame as well. In my opinion, this is a culture problem that starts, I don't even know where the hell it begins. But the Packers are not a physical football team. It's been a very long time since they have been. And I'm not trying to sound like the meatball from the 1990s that says run the ball and stop the run, and that's how you win football games. However, Brandon Staley has even talked about this, being like there's a physical nature and a physical part of this game that you have to be willing and able to play. And the Packers, for whatever reason, you know, styles make fights, right? And – it's, I don't know if it's arrogance. I don't know if it's ignorance. I don't know what to call it. But like the biggest, most damning thing I could think of that comes to my mind prior to this LaFleur answer was Raheem Mostert runs for like 700 yards in that NFC championship game a couple years ago. And afterwards, they ask Gutekunst about that situation. And he basically says, well, we like the guys we have. And then he mentions Montrevious Adams and Dean Lowry and the players that were on the defensive line at that time. And they added nobody to that defense that you would say is a run stopper. Someone designed to stop opposing teams running games. Which, okay, maybe you don't build your team to just beat one team. But when you are the worst in the league at something, it's arrogance, negligence, ignorance, whatever superlative you want to use to essentially do nothing to fix it. And the only high-level defensive lineman in, in terms of capital or investment that the Packers have grabbed since Brian Gutekunst has become the general manager is Devontae Wyatt, who is not a run player at all. In my opinion, he's... I'll say, what the hell? I'll say, I think he's a selfish player in the run game. He is a sub-package pass rusher. And is he that good at that? At this point, in the, I don't think so. You know, this is where Trey kind of smiles and laughs about this pre-show all the time. But when we talk about all these grades and these stats and how these things like, but there's no context given to them. It's like, well, why it's pressure rate is this cool. He plays like 30% of snaps. So a high pressure rate and a small amount of snaps, it only takes like two pressures and, you know, six snaps for that number to be really high. This is a first round pick. This is a guy who, one, should be playing more, and they should be figuring out ways to keep him on the field. And two, he's a liability in a run game. And at some point, the Packers have to find guys that are not liabilities in the run game. And the answer to that question from LaFleur was ridiculous to me for a team that's been as bad at this for as long as they have been. Trey, what are some things that, that you've seen over the, and if you can harken back even to those three games, like I know we talked about how Bijan Robinson is special and and like some of that mm-hmm. stuff after that, that game, but you know, this has been a recurring themes for years. You know, I remember you shared a clip with us in the group chat about like unselfish football and math being part of the run game. But what are some things, where do you see the breakdowns for where the Packers are failing in this phase of the game? You know, um, like it may, it may kind of, sound 
crazy to say that run defense really is just simple math. How many guys do you have for how many blockers do they have? Can they potentially add a guy in or can they make, you know, make you take two for one? Uh, well, can they take one of yours out and add, add a number in? Can the defense's goal is to potentially have a guy take two for one and give yourself a chance to even the math um, with less guys. It just depends on who you have, depends on what scheme you're playing. Um, and like, without knowing any scheme, without knowing what call they're running or, or whatever else, what, what the guy's job was, was he stunting into the A-gap or not? Um, there are times where you can look at a play and you can say, okay, they had that gap covered. They had that gap covered. They had X, Y, Z covered. Oh, there's one open gap and one guy did something completely different than everybody else. Um, and then you say, okay, if that was a sound play, that guy would have to be right there. Like, it's it's really just like, can you fill the holes? Um, literally, because that, that's what they are. They're, they're the holes in, in a run defense. Um, and there there have been times, whether it's, whether it's Devontae Wyatt or, or any other number of guys on the defense, where, I mean, a fan of the scheme or not, a fan of the personnel that's on the field versus what the, what the offense has or not, the guys are there. And someone is doing something that they are not coached to do, that they're not supposed to do, and they just do it anyway. So that's that's where it comes into that uh, selfishness point. And it might not. I'm not. I'm not saying that the guys are selfish. All oh, they don't want to win. All oh, they're not a team player. Whatever. Whatever. They're trying to do their own thing. It could be any of a bunch of things on that given play that causes a guy to do that. Maybe they get reached really fast and they're going to lose their gap. Now, okay. Maybe I can go shoot underneath and I can go and make a play. Well, that's not your job. Um, and as messed up as it sounds to say that that is selfish, no matter what your intent was, it is. Because you are doing something that you know can potentially bust this play and give up a big play for your team. Um, like You got to do your job. You, you got to fight to stay where you need to stay. You might not make the tackle. You probably won't. You might not even be on the half of the play that matters in the end. But because you were where you were supposed to be, where the defense schemed for you to be, as long as that defense is sound, it's going to work. You might you might not stop them for no gain. You might give up a yard, two yards, three yards. But that's part of defense. Um, you're, you're not going to completely shut down every play all the time. You're not going to make every play no matter who you are, no matter how good you are, no matter what great technique you use. Um but you got to be able to count on guys to at least do their one eleventh um, on defense in particular. Like it, it really just comes to comes down to it being that simple. Like I'd rather take eleven guys who are never going to have a dominant win play, but I can count on them that 75, 80 plus percent of the time they're going to be where I asked them to be because you have a chance to win then. Maybe every now and then those guys make a spectacular play that, you know, you didn't maybe assume they were capable of making. Maybe they don't, but at least you'll be in a position to stop somebody. That's that's like a a, a bend don't break type situation at the worst, right? Like, eventually you're gonna figure it out. If you have guys that are fifty percent Aaron Donald and fifty percent wouldn't start on JV because they just can't can't be where you need them to be, you can't win like that. And you certainly can't win like that when you have a team that as a whole doesn't have enough to overcome 
small deficiencies. And when you when you consistently have guys not doing what they're supposed to do on defense, being undisciplined, because that's what it is at the end of the day, right? You know, call a spade a spade. When you consistently have that, you have no chance because you don't have supreme talent. You don't have an all-world quarterback who can make up for holes by making Patrick Mahomes throwing the you know throwing the ball fifty yards down the field while he's in the air sideways and doing all these other crazy things. You just have to do your job. Um, and if you're not going to do it, then you know somebody else needs to be on the field, no matter no matter who you are, no matter how much you're getting paid. Like at the end of the day, the goal is to win. Um, you got to find guys who can can play winning football, and that's part of it. That it is, and and it's something that again, it's it's not pretty. It's you know Morley always talks about it. It's like eating your vegetables. You know nobody wants to do it, but we know it's good for you. And you know, name a diff- great defensive coach from Christmas past, like all of them say, stop the run to earn the right to rush the passer. And the Packers have all the again, all these guys are interesting enough as pass rushers, right? Like we've gone through the Garys and the Smiths and the Van Nesses and Wooden and Brooks and all these dudes that they have that can get after the quarterback. But when it's third and two, what's it matter? You know, and you're talking about how a play here or there, you give up a yard, maybe two yards or something like that. Well, the Packers give up five a crack. So and yesterday it was damn near seven. And and that's that's a tough way to live. Like I mean, I watched a college game on Saturday when a team ran a, ran the ball 32 consecutive times to close out a game. Like, there are teams that could legitimately do that against the Packers if they wanted to. And that's – We've seen it. We, we've, <laughs> we've seen it. It happened in an NFC Championship game once. Like, and they scored a lot of points in that particular fashion as well. You know, you listen to some of these defensive guys, and I remember, like, Don Brown talking about building a run wall. And just like, and granted, this is college football again, so there's a difference between college and the pros, obviously. But you build up that run wall and figure out, you know, how to how to stop those things and go from there. And, and in order to build that wall, so to speak, it's like Trey's talking about. You got to have discipline and the willingness to build Belichick, do your job. And I'm not sure why it is that Green Bay is not able, willing, I don't know what the phrasing is, but they've been bad at it for a really long time. I would love to be able to ask Brian Gutekunst one day, do they need to change the way they look at defensive prospects? Do they need to change the way that they look at things philosophically? Because all this stuff for years and years, and it just hasn't worked. We're running out of show here. Morley, the Packers play the Chargers on Sunday. My question to you is, do they keep the Chargers under 30? Hmm. If it was anyone other than the Chargers, maybe there is still a chance the Chargers can charge her. Like that's that is always a thing. Um, but I don't, man, I don't know. I don't think so. I think the Packers haven't really seen an animal like Justin Herbert this year at the quarterback position. Uh, so no, I don't think they can. But I am optimistic that the offense, even if, even if. Herbie gets that team into the 28-31 range. I'm optimistic the offense, if they continue to make strides, can at least keep it a one-score game. I'll, that's what I'll say. So final, so 31-21 is final score for me. That's not a one-score game. No, I know. I should have said 24, but then I'm like, man, they haven't scored that much in a long time. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, I know, defense man. to do it, though. 
This would be the yeah. defense. Oh, God, the Chargers, for as bad as Green Bay's defense is, everybody wants to replace Joe Barry with Brandon Staley. Have you guys looked at how bad the Chargers' defense is? It is Oh, wait, horrible. that was that was the request was to to lose yeah. Joe Barry and, and bring in Brandon Staley? I haven't seen that. that oh, my second. God. One of the running, recurring, like, jokes amongst some pretty popular Packers voices is 2024 Packers defensive coordinator Brandon Staley. I have zero desire for that. He's a name people recognize. That's, that's and it. he had a good defense in LA once four one, years ago. Yeah, yeah. And like that defense in LA. Hey, that's down. one more than Joe. That's one more than Joe Barry's ever had. So no argument <laughs> on that. However, <laughs> damn, can we can we shoot a little higher than that? Because no, no freaking way, man. But nonetheless, uh, I kind of want the Chargers to score a lot of points. And I know that sounds stupid on its face, but. Because I want to see, like I mentioned, can this offense keep up? Can they go score for score with one of these teams? It, can they, you know, get to a game where even if they lose, you know, thirty-four to thirty-one, can they can they play a thirty-four to thirty-one game against a a team that's not the Chicago Bears? You know, they scored thirty-eight against Chicago. That's far and away their season high. Can they do something like that? I don't know. I'd like to see that. I don't think they can. I think the Chargers win this game thirty-four to seventeen. I uh, just. Can't pick the Packers to score 20 or more points. And Justin Herbert is awesome. The Packers defense is not awesome. And as much as I like some of the pass rushers they have, like they don't have dudes that can just wreck games like that. even Gary recently, they've has has been kind of quiet. I'm about so. to say, uh if Gary's not that guy, they just gave a lot of money to a guy that can't wreck a game. Right. And and he's been kind of quiet in recent weeks. So I like the Chargers. I like them kind of big and another sad day at Lambeau Field for a Milwaukee crowd, which I'm sure will be a topic of discussion at some point. Trey, finish this up. Man, uh, looking at it, I, I can't say I have very much confidence. Um, the Chargers defense is bad, but I, I don't believe they're as bad as ours currently is as it's assembled today. Um, also, I know the, the O-line held up relatively well against T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith. Uh, Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack are coming to town, and you could argue as, as a collective pair, they are just as productive as the previous pair they played. Um, and can you do that twice? That's the only chance you have to, to potentially put up the points to match what the Chargers are going to do. Um, we made the 25th best rushing offense last week look – outstanding uh the chargers are ranked higher than that and they also haven't had austin eckler most of the season and once he gets going the dude just produces and that's all to not even mention the fact that keenan allen is having one of the best seasons he's probably ever had one of the best seasons seasons of any wide receiver in the league right now um potentially like not you know who knows if we have jair or not to even try and combat him um it gets scary, man. I, I just don't know. Um, I don't know if we can keep up, even if the offense is able to produce uh, some of those, you know, those bright spots that we've seen throughout the last couple of weeks. Uh, I just don't see it being enough to keep up with the Chargers realistically. Um, they, they put up too many points. Even when they lose, they lose in style. Um, and, 41 and 38 on Sunday for those that didn't watch. Probably the best game of the week was yeah. Chargers and Chargers no and Lions there in LA. Uh, one more is uh, Maryland is plus 19 at home against Michigan. Do they cover? 
Man, look, the line moved. It was plus 21 um, on Sunday because I we recorded the Maryland podcast, so I was talking about that literally last night. Uh, so it's already moved, man. Do they do they see something brewing that I don't know about? <laughs> I don't know. Like we had nothing left to lose, right? Like we we got our bowl eligibility. Um, so like you know that that monkey's off our back. Um, really, just you know playing with house money. Uh, they better cover because I'm tired of seeing us get embarrassed. Fox Big Noon kickoff is coming. Gonna be on you know like the main network, Fox. You got to play well. Um, you got to bring whatever you got left. Those dudes need to put it on the table. So they need to cover. Will they? Who actually knows? At this point, I'm not betting on them. It's, uh, I, I like to keep my money. I don't like to, to gamble like that. Because <laughs> that's a big gamble. There you have that, guys. We'll be back next week for the Pack Day podcast, uh, previewing the Lions. Uh, the Packers have a two games in five days. They'll play the Chargers on Sunday and then the Lions Thanksgiving Day. So we'll be back next week to talk about that. From Trey Watson, Jacob Morley, I'm Jacob Westdorf. We'll see you guys next week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.